Good morning. Okay. Uh, let's get started. We have uh, one handout today. That's uh, your lecture notes. Uh, there's some copies still outside for those who haven't uh, pick, picked one up. Um, in general, uh, what I do is that uh, uh, in the lecture notes, I leave out large parts of uh, large amounts of material. So uh, this will, uh, you know, uh, enable you to uh, keep your hands busy while uh, I'm lecturing and take down some uh, take down some notes and so on. So uh, uh, don't assume that everything that I talk about is on here. Uh, please follow along. <clears throat> okay. So uh, as is my usual practice, let me start with a uh, with a quick review of uh, what we covered so far. So what we did primarily was looked at this discipline that we called the lumped matter discipline, which was very similar, very reminiscent of the point mass simplification in physics. And this discipline, this set of constraints we imposed on ourselves, allowed us to move from Maxwell's equations to a very, very simple uh, form of algebraic equations. And uh, specifically, <clears throat> uh, discipline took two forms. One is we said that we will deal with elements for whom, <clears throat> for whom the rate of change of magnetic flux is zero outside the elements, and for whom The rate of change of charge, amount of charge, inside the uh, element was zero. So if I took any element, any, lumped, any element that I called a lumped circuit element, like a resistor or a voltage source, and I put a black box around it, then what I'm saying is that the net charge inside that is going to be zero. Now, this is not true in general. Okay, we will see examples where if you choose... Uh, some piece of an element, for example, there might be charge buildup, but net inside the, uh, if I put a box around the entire element, I'm going to assume that the rate of change of charge is going to be zero. So what this did was it enabled us to create the lumped circuit abstraction, where I could take elements, some element of the sort. This could be a resistor, a voltage source, or whatever. And I could now ascribe a voltage, some voltage across the uh, element, and also some current I that was going into the element. And as I go forward, when I label the voltages and currents across and through elements, I'm going to be following a convention. Okay, the convention is that I'm going to label, if I label V in the following manner, then I'm going to label I for that element as the current flowing into the positive terminal, okay? Uh, by doing this, it's just a convention. By doing this, it turns out that the power consumed by the element is VI is positive, okay? So by choosing I going in this way uh, into the positive terminal, the power consumed by the element is going to be positive. Okay, so in general, uh, we will simply follow this convention uh, when I label voltages and currents, 
I'll be labeling the current uh, into an element uh, entering in through the uh, uh, plus terminal. Remember, of course, if the current is going this way, let's have a one amp of current flowing this way, then uh, when I compute the current, I will come out to be, uh, come out to be negative. Okay. So um, by making these assumptions of the assumptions of the lumped matter discipline, I said I was able to simplify my life tremendously. And in particular, what it did was it allowed me to take Maxwell's equations, okay, and simplify them into a very simple algebraic form, which has uh, the, both a voltage law and a current law that I call Kirchhoff's voltage law and Kirchhoff's current law. KVL simply states that if I have some circuit, and if I measure the voltages in any loop in the circuit, so if I look at the voltages in any loop, then the voltages in a loop would sum to zero. Okay? So I measure voltages in a loop, and they will sum to zero. Similarly, for the current, if I take a node of a circuit, if I build a circuit, a node is a point in the circuit where multiple uh, edges connect. If I take a node, then the current coming into that node, the net current coming into a node is going to be zero. Okay, so if I take any node of a circuit and sum up all the currents coming into that node, they will all uh, net sum to zero. So, so notice that what I've done is by this discipline, by this constraint I imposed on myself, I was able to make this incredible leap from Maxwell's equations to these really, really simple um, algebraic equations, KVL and KCL. And I promise you, okay, going forward through the rest of 6002, if this is all you know, okay, you can pretty much solve any circuit using these two very simple relations. Okay, it's actually really, really simple. It's all very simple algebra. Okay? So uh, just to uh, show you an example, uh, let me do a little demonstration. Uh, let me build a small circuit and measure some voltages for you and show you that uh, the voltages uh, indeed add up to uh, zero. So here's my little circuit. So I'm going to show you a simple circuit that looks like this, and let's go ahead and uh, measure some voltages and currents. Uh, in terms of terminology, remember, um, this is called a loop. So if I, take, if I start from the point C, and I travel through the voltage source, come to the node A, down through R1, and all the way down through R2, back to C, that's a loop. Similarly, this point A is a node where resistor R1 the voltage source V0 and R4 are connected. Okay, just make sure your terminology uh, is correct. 
Um, so what I'll do is let me make some uh, quick measurements for you and show you that uh, these KVL and KCL are indeed, uh, are indeed true. So um, the circuit's up there. Um, could, I have a, uh, could I have a volunteer? Any volunteer? All you have to do is write things on the board. Come on over. <clears throat> OK, so um, uh, let me take some measurements. And uh, why don't you write down uh, what I measure on the board? What I'll do is, uh, let me borrow another piece of chalk here. What I'll do is <clears throat> focus on uh, this loop here and focus on this node and make some measurements. All right. So uh, you see the circuit up there. Okay, so I get uh, three volts uh, for the voltage uh, from C to A. So I want you write down three volts. Okay, so uh, the next one is uh, uh, minus uh, 1.6. And uh, so that will be, uh, I'm doing uh, AB, VAB. Okay, and then uh, let me do uh, the last one, and uh, it is uh, minus 1.37. Actually, the, the, the measurements, I guess, I have made have been uh, this way. So it's uh, what's written is VAC. But that's, uh, it's okay for now. Don't worry about it. So, uh, so within, uh, well, thank you. Uh, I appreciate your help here. <laughs> okay, so uh, um, within, uh, within bounds of experimental error, notice that if I um, add up these three voltages, they, uh, they nicely sum up to, uh, sum up to zero. Okay, uh, next let me uh, focus on this node here. And at this node, let me go ahead and measure some currents. What I'll do now is uh, change, to, uh, uh, change to an AC, uh, AC voltage so that uh, I can go ahead and measure the current without breaking my circuit. Okay, this time around, you'll get to see the measurements that I'm taking as well. So what I have here, I guess you can see it this way. What I have here is three wires that I have pulled out from D, and this is the node D, okay? So um, I have three wires coming into the node D just to make it a little bit easier for me to measure stuff. Okay, so uh, everybody keep your fingers crossed so I don't look like a fool here. Uh, hope this works out. Okay, so, um, so you roughly get... Uh, uh, what's, what's that? Uh, 10 millivolts. Okay, so it's, uh, so it's about 10 millivolts peak-to-peak uh, -peak out there. And uh, notice that, uh, let's say that if uh, the waveform rises on the left-hand side, it's positive. So it's, uh, 
positive 10 millivolts. And another positive 10 millivolts, so that's uh, 20 millivolts. And uh, this time it's a negative, uh, roughly 20, I guess. Uh, negative uh, uh, 20. So uh, uh, I'm getting, in terms of currents, I have a uh, uh, negative 10, negative 10, I'm sorry, a positive 10, a positive 10, and a, and a negative 20 that adds up to zero. But uh, more interestingly, uh, I can show you the same thing by holding this current measuring probe directly across that node, and notice that uh, the net current that is entering into this node here is zero. Okay, so that should just show you that uh, KCL does indeed hold in practice, and it is not just a uh, figment of our imaginations. Okay. <clears throat> so um, before I go on, um, I wanted to uh, point one other thing out. Uh, notice that I've written down two assumptions of the lumped matter discipline. Okay? Uh, there's a third assumption of the lumped matter discipline, and that assumption is, in spirit at least, shared by the point mass simplification in physics as well. Can someone tell me what that assumption is? A third assumption, which I did not mention, uh, which you can uh, read in your notes in section... Uh, Section A.2 in the appendix. Uh, what's the third assumption that uh, is shared in spirit with the point mass simplification? Anybody? The third assumption we made here is that in all, this, all the signals that we're going to study in this course, we made the assumption that the signal speeds of interest, transition speeds and so on, are much slower than the speed of light. Okay, that my signal transition speeds of interest are much slower than the speed of light. Remember, uh, the laws of motion, the discrete laws of motion break down if, you begin a pro if your objects begin moving at the speed of light. Okay, the same token here, uh, our lump circuit abstraction breaks down if we approach the speed of light. And there are follow-on courses that talk about uh, waveguides and other distributed analysis techniques that deal with uh, signals that travel at the speed, you know, uh, close to speeds of light. Okay. So uh, with that, let me go on to uh, uh, talking about method one of uh, circuit analysis. This is called the basic KVL-KCL method. So just based on those two sim simple algebraic relations, I can analyze very interesting and complicated circuits. Uh, the method goes as uh, follows. <clears throat> so let's say our goal is, given a circuit like this, our goal is to solve it. Okay, in this course, we will be doing two kinds of things, analysis and synthesis. Analysis says, given a circuit, okay, what can you tell me about the circuit? Okay, so we'll solve existing circuits for all the voltages and currents, voltages across elements and currents through those elements. Synthesis says, given a function, uh, I may ask you to go and build circuits. Okay? So for analysis here, um, we can apply this method that I'm about to show you. And the idea here is that, given a circuit like this, let us figure out all the voltages and currents that are, uh, th that are a function of the way these elements are connected. So uh, the basic KVL and KCL method has the following steps. The first step is to write down 
the element vi relationships. Okay, write down the element vi relationships for all the elements. Second step is write KCL for all the nodes. And the third step is to write KVL for all the loops in the circuit. That's it. Just go ahead and write down element rules, uh, KVL and KCL, and then go ahead and solve the circuit. So uh, we'll, do, we'll do an example, of course. Um, but just, to, uh, just for your, uh, as a refresher, uh, we've uh, looked at a bunch of elements so far. And uh, for a resistor, the element relation says that V is IR, where R is the resistance of the uh, uh, element here. For a voltage source, uh, V is equal to uh, V naught. That's the element relationship. And for a current source, the element is, the relation is I is simply the current flowing through the element. Okay, so um, these are some of the simple element rules for the uh, devices that uh, the current source, voltage source, and the resistor. So let's go ahead and solve, uh, solve a simple circuit. And what I'll do is go ahead and solve this circuit for you. Okay, if you turn to page five of your notes, um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, edit this circuit here. Uh, you can scribble the values on, uh, on your notes on page five. <clears throat> okay, so as the first step of my KVL-KCL method, uh, I need to write down all my element VI relationships. So before I do that, let me go ahead <clears throat> and label all the voltages and currents that are unknowns in the circuit. So uh, let me label the, uh, the voltages and uh, currents associated with the voltage source, I0. Notice um, I'm, I continue to follow this convention where <clears throat> whenever I label voltages and currents for an element, I will show the current going into the positive terminal of the, uh, of the element variable, okay, of the element variable voltage. So, uh, <clears throat> so here I have V0 and I0. <clears throat> let, me, let me pause here for five seconds and show you a point of confusion that happens sometimes. <clears throat> Oftentimes people confuse between what is called the element, uh, the, the variable associated with the element versus the element value. Okay, notice that here, <clears throat> capital V naught is the voltage that this voltage source provides, while this name here, V naught, is simply a variable that we've used to label the voltage uh, across that element. So similarly, I can label uh, V1 as the voltage across the resistor, and I1 as the current flowing through the resistor. So this method of labeling where I follow the convention that the current flows into the positive terminal is called the associated variables discipline. Um, I will try to use the word discipline in situations where you have a choice, okay? And of a variety of uh, possible choices, you pick one as a convention, okay? So here, 
as a convention, we use the associated variables discipline and uh, uh, use that method to consistently label the unknown voltages and currents in our circuits. Okay, so let me continue the labeling here. V4, I4, I3, V3 here, and uh, V2, and I2, V5, and I5. I think that's it. <clears throat> so I've gone ahead and labeled all my unknowns. <clears throat> so each of these voltages and currents are the voltages and currents associated with each of the elements, and my goal is to, uh, is to solve for these. Okay? So uh, in, terms of, uh, in terms of our solution here, let's follow the method that I outlined for you. So as a first step, I'm simply going to go ahead and write down all the element VI relationships. Okay, so as a first step, I'm going to go ahead and write down all the VI relationships. So uh, can someone yell out for me the VI relationship for the voltage source? Okay, good. So well, V0 is uh, capital uh, V0. That is that the variable V0 is simply equal to uh, the voltage V0. <clears throat> Similarly, I can write the others. Uh, V1 is I1, R1. V2 is I2, R2, and so on. Okay? And uh, I have one, two, three, four, five, six elements, so I will get six such equations. Step two, I'm going to go ahead and write KCL. KCL for the nodes in my, uh, in my system. And so let me start with uh, node A. So for node A, um, I get... Let me take as positive the currents going out of the node. So I get uh, I0 flowing out plus I1 flowing out plus I4 flowing out, and they must sum to zero, okay, for node A. Uh, then I can go ahead and uh, do the other nodes. Let's say, for example, I do node B. For node B, I have I2 going out. That's positive. I3, and I, I1 is coming in, so I get minus I1 equals zero. Okay, so I have uh, one, two, three, four. I have four nodes. Okay, so I, I would get four equations. Okay, it turns out that the fourth equation is uh, uh, not independent. You can derive it from the others. So uh, I get three independent equations out of this. I can then write KVL. And uh, for KVL, I just go around uh, my loops here. <clears throat> and let me go through the, uh, uh, this first loop here in this manner. Okay, and a simple trick that I use, um, you have to be incredibly careful when you go through this uh, in keeping your uh, minuses and pluses correct. Okay, otherwise you can get uh, hopelessly muddled. Uh, once you label it, okay, you need to be sure that you get all your minuses uh, and pluses correct. So for, the K, for KVL, what I'd like to do is, let's say I start at C. Okay, let's say I start at C, and from C, I'm going to go to A, from A, I'm going to B, and from B, I'm going to come back to C. Okay, that's how I traverse my loop. And the trick that I'm going to follow is, as, I, as my finger walks through that loop, I'm going to 
label the voltage as the first sign that I see for that voltage. Okay, so when I start from C and I go up, I start by punching into uh, uh, the element, the voltage source element, and then punch into it, I hit the minus sign for the V naught. Okay, so I'm just gonna write down minus V naught plus. Then I go through, and as I come up to A and go down to B, I punch to the plus sign of the V1. So that's plus V1. And then I punch into the plus sign of the V2, and so I get plus V2, and that is zero. Okay, good. So that, uh, that matches what you have in notes as well. So this is uh, the first equation. Similarly, I can go through my other loops and write down the equations for each of the loops. Okay, and, and a convention that I like to follow is as I go through the loop, I write down as a sign for the voltage, the first sign that I encounter for that element. Okay, you can do the exact opposite if you want just to be different. But you know, uh, as long as you stay consistent, you will be okay. All right, so in the same manner here, uh, there, are, uh, there are four loops that I can have, so four equations. Again, one of them turns out to be uh, dependent on the others, so I end up getting three independent equations. So I get uh, a total of 12 equations. There are 12 equations. There are six elements, okay, voltage source and five resistors. So there are six unknown voltages and six unknown currents. Phew. So there are 12 equations and 12, 12 unknowns. Okay, I can take all these equations and put them through a big crank and sit there and grind. And if I was really cruel, I'd give, give this as a homework problem and have you grind and grind and grind till you get your uh, six voltages and six currents. Okay, it works. Okay, so you get 12 equations and this method just works. <clears throat> However, uh, notice that uh, this is quite a, quite a grubby method, it's quite grungy. You know, I get 12 equations and uh, uh, it's, it's quite a pain, even for a simple circuit like this. However, suffice it to say that this fundamental method that is just one step away from Maxwell's equations simply works, okay? So what we'll do is, in the, in the rest of this lecture, I'll introduce you to a couple more methods. One is an intuitive method, and another one called the node method is a little bit more formal, but uh, is, is, is much more, uh, I guess, much more terse and the KVL-KCL method. Met method two. So the relevant section uh, to read in the uh, course notes is section 2.4. <clears throat> One of the things that I will be stressing this semester is intuition. Okay, what you will find, uh, what you will find that you know, as you become uh, EECS majors and so on and go on, or if you talk to your TAs or your professors and so on, you will find that very rarely do they actually go ahead and apply the formal methods of analysis. Okay, by and large, um, engineers are able to look at a circuit and simply by observation write down an answer. And usually in the past, what we've tried to do is, is kind of ignored that process and told our students that, look, we'll teach you all the formal methods and you will you know, develop your own intuition and be able to do it. Um, what I'm going to try to do this term is try to stress the intuitive methods and try to show you how the intuitive process goes so you can very quickly solve many of these circuits simply by, by inspection. 
Okay? So this method that I'm going to show you here is one such intuitive method, and uh, call it the element combination rules. Okay, for many simple circuits, you can, you can solve them very quickly by applying this method. The components of this method are these. Uh, I learned about how to compose a bunch of elements. So let's say, for example, I have a set of resistors, R1 through Rn, in series, okay? Uh, you can use KVL and KCL uh, to show that this is equivalent to a single resistor whose value is given by the sum of the resistances, okay? So if I have resistances in series, then effectively it's the same as if there was a single resistor whose value is the sum of all the resistances. Okay, you can look at the uh, course notes for a proof of, uh, uh, for a derivation of this, uh, of this fact. Uh, similarly, if I have uh, resistances in parallel, so uh, let me call them conductances. Uh, conductance is uh, the reciprocal of a uh, resistance. Uh, if resistances are measured in ohms, uh, conductances are measured in MOs, MHOs. Okay, so uh, so let's say the conductances are G1, G2, and G3. Then effectively, this is the same as having a single conductance whose effective value is given by the sum of the conductances. Okay, conductances in parallel add, and resistances in series add. Similarly, for voltage sources. If I have voltage sources in series, then they are tantamount to uh, the sum of the voltages. And similarly, for currents, if I have currents in parallel, then they can be viewed as a single current source whose currents are the sum of the individual parallel currents. So let's do a quick example. So let's do uh, this example. So let's say I have a uh, circuit that looks like this, and uh, uh, three resistances. And let's say all I care about is the current I that flows through this uh, wire. All I care about is that current. <clears throat> of course, you can go ahead and write KVL and KCL. You will get four equations, and there are four unknowns, and you can solve it. But uh, I can apply my element combination rules and very quickly figure out what, this, uh, uh, what the current I is using the following technique. So what I can do is I can first of all take this circuit, and I can compose these two resistances and show that this circuit is equivalent as far as this current I is concerned to the following circuit, R1 and I take the uh, sum of the two conductances, okay? And uh, that comes out to be R1, R2, R3, R2 plus R3. And then I can further simplify it and 
I get a simple single resistance whose value is given by R1 plus R2, R3, R3. Okay, I sim I'm just simplifying the circuit. Now, from this circuit, I can uh, uh, get the answer that I need. I is simply the voltage V divided by R1 plus Okay, so in situations like this, when I'm looking for a single current, I can very quickly get to the answer by applying some of these element combination rules, and I can get rid of having to go through a set of formal, uh, formal steps. So in general, whenever you encounter a circuit, by and large, attempt to use intuitive methods to try to solve it, and go to a formal method only if some intuitive method fails. Even in your homeworks, uh, by and large, uh, the homeworks are not meant to be grungy. Okay, if you find a lot of grunge in your homework, just remember, you are probably not using some intuitive method. Okay, so uh, just be cautious. All right. So let me go on to the third method of uh, circuit analysis. And the third method is called the node method. So uh, the load method is simply a specific application of the KVL-KCL method and results in a much, much more compact uh, form of the final equations. Uh, if there's one method that you have to remember for life, then I would say just remember this method. Okay, the load method is a workhorse of the EECS uh, uh, industry. Okay, if there's one method that you want to consistently apply, then this is the one to remember. So let me quickly outline for you the method and then work out, uh, work out an example for you. Uh, the first step of the node method will be to select a reference or a ground node. This is a symbol for a ground node. The ground node simply says that I'm going to denote voltages at that point to be uh, zero and measure all my other voltages with reference to that point. So I'm going to select a ground node in my circuit. Second, I'm going to label the remaining voltages with respect to that ground node. So label voltages for all the other nodes with respect to the ground node. Next, write KCL for, for each of the nodes, write KCL, okay? I don't write KCL for the ground node. Remember, if you have n nodes, uh, the node equations will give you n minus one independent equations. So write KCL for the nodes, uh, but don't do so for the uh, ground node. Then, solve for the node voltages. So let's say when we label voltages, um, I'm gonna be labeling them as E something or the other. So solve for the unknown node voltages. And then, once I know all the voltages associated with the nodes, I can then back solve for all the branch voltages and currents. Okay, once I know all the node voltages, I can then go ahead and figure out all the branch voltages and the branch currents. So let's go ahead and apply this method and uh, work out an example. 
Again, remember, um, if there's one method that you should remember, it's the node method, okay? And when in doubt, consistently apply the node method and it will work. Whether the circuit's linear, non-linear, you know, whether the resistors are built in the US or USSR, doesn't matter, okay? The node method, the node method will simply work, linear or non-linear, okay? So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna build a circuit that's uh, my old faithful, uh, it's our old faithful, plus I'll make it a little bit more complicated by adding in the current source. So let's, uh, you know, let's, let's go have some fun. Let's, let's do this. So here's my voltage source as before. Okay, what I'll do is for fun, add a current source out there, and you can convince yourselves that if you go and apply uh, the KVL, KCL method, it'll really be a mess of, uh, mess of equations. Okay, so uh, R1, R3, R4, R2, R5. Okay, so let's follow our method and just plug and chug here. So let's, let's apply the first step. I select a ground node. It's a reference node from which I'll measure all my other voltages. Okay, now without knowing anything about the node method, uh, the, try to use your intuition as to which node you should choose as a ground node. Okay, remember, you wanna label the ground node with the voltage zero and measure all the other voltages with respect to that node. Okay, and a, a usual trick is to pick a node which has the largest number of elements connected to it as the ground node. Okay, and in particular, uh, you will find out later, it's useful to pick a node to which all your voltage sources, are, the maximum number of your voltage sources are also connected. Okay, so in this, in this instance, I'm gonna choose this as my ground node. Okay, that's my first step. I chose that as my ground node, and I'm gonna label that as having a uh, voltage zero. Second step, I'll label the voltages of the other branches uh, with respect to the ground node. Okay, so what I'll do is um, have this node here. So I'm gonna label that voltage E1. These are my unknowns, remember, node method because my node voltages are my unknowns. So I label this as uh, E1. Um, I label this one as my unknown voltage E2. What about this one here? Is that, is that uh, voltage unknown? No, I know what the voltage is because uh, I know that this node is at a voltage V0 higher than the ground node, okay? Notice that to, to go from here to here, I directly go through a voltage source, and so this node has voltage V0, and I'll simply write down V0, okay? If you want, if you, you know, um, try to simplify the number of steps that you have to go through, so directly go ahead and write down the voltage V0 for that node. Um, what I will also do is, for convenience, I am gonna write down uh, 
I'm going to use conductances. So I'm going to use GI in place of uh, uh, 1 by Ri and write down a bunch of node equations. Okay. So I've, step one, I've chosen my ground node. Step two, I've labeled my node voltages E. Okay. I've done with the two of my steps. Now let me go ahead and... Uh, Okay, so let me go ahead and apply step three. And step three says, go ahead and apply KCL for each of, uh, uh, each of the nodes at which you have an unknown node voltage. And then uh, that will give you your equations. <clears throat> so let me start by applying KCL at E1. So uh, let me write KCL at E1. Uh, I do one more thing. Notice I don't have any currents there. Okay? So how do I write KCL? KCL simply says the sum of currents into a node is zero. Again, remember, by the lump matter discipline. So my, the currents, but I don't have currents in there. So the trick that I adopt is that to write KCL, I use the node voltages and implicitly substitute for the node voltages uh, divide by the... Uh, elemental resistance, for instance. Uh, so take the node voltages and divide by the resistance, get the current. Okay, so I implicitly apply element relationships to get the node currents. So like the example will make it clear. So I take node E1, and again, uh, currents going out, I'm going to assume to have uh, uh, positive. So uh, the current going up is E1 minus V0 divided by R1. So uh, I multiplied by G1. That's the current going up. Plus, the current going down is E1 minus zero. The ground node potential is zero. G2. Okay, plus the current that is going through resistor R3, which is simply E1 minus E2 divided by R3. So it's E1 minus E2 divided by R3 or multiplied by G3 is equal to zero. Okay, see how I got this. This is simply KCL, but to get my currents, I simply take the differences of voltages across elements and divide by the elemental resistance, and I get the, uh, and I get the currents. Okay, so I can similarly write KCL at uh, E2. So write KCL at E2. Again, let me go outwards. So the current going up is E2 minus V0 multiplied by G4. Uh, the current going left is E2 minus E1 divided by R3, or multiplied by G3. The current going down is E2, E2 minus 0 multiplied by G5. And the current going down is minus I1. Okay, you've got to be careful with your polarities here. So all the currents going out sum to zero, and so here are the currents that are uh, going out at uh, this point. So what I do next is uh, I can move the constant terms to the left-hand side, 
and uh, collect, um, uh, collect my unknowns. So uh, let me write them out here. Uh, so uh, let's say I get uh, E1 here, okay? And uh, so from this equation, I have a V0 G1, which comes out here. So minus V0 G1 comes over to the other side. And let me collect all the, uh, uh, all the, all the values that uh, uh, multiply E1. So I get uh, uh, G1 is one example. I have uh, G2, and I have G3. And then for E2, I have uh, minus G3. Okay? So I've simply expressed this as the element voltages multiplied by some uh, terms in, in parentheses, uh, and I put my external sources on the right-hand side. Uh, similarly, I go ahead and do the same thing here. Uh, in this instance, uh, let me move my sources to the right, so I get I1 coming out there, and I get V0 G4 coming out there. By the way, I just want to mention to you that uh, if you're looking to fall asleep, this is a good time to do so because as soon as I write down these two equations, okay, from now on it's, uh, you know, a nap time. It's, it's, there's nothing new that you're going to learn from uh, here on. Okay, it's just uh, an aunt Agarwal having fun at the blackboard uh, pushing symbols around. So, uh, so but once you write down these two node equations, you know, the rest of it is just uh, grubby math. So uh, let, let me just have some fun. So uh, let me go ahead and do that. So I move my voltages and currents to the other side. And uh, let me collect all the coefficients for uh, E1 here. So E1 is uh, minus G3. And uh, that's it, I guess. OK. And then uh, I do the same for E2. So I get uh, G4, and I get G3, and I get G5. Okay, so notice here that I have uh, two equations, uh, two equations, and two unknowns. Okay, the two equations are uh, on the right-hand side. I have some voltages and currents, which are my drive voltages and drive currents. Okay, so. Um, Actually, this is getting quite boring, so I'm going to, I'm going to pause here and, and talk about something else. So, you know, you, you can take this and you can put this in matrix form. So I've done that for you on page 10. You can say, oh, matrix form, yeah, you know, I know that. Um, you, can use, uh, you can use any technique to solve it. Use algebraic techniques, use uh, linear algebraic methods to solve it, use a computer, whatever you want. And computers, uh, when computers analyze circuits, they write down these equations in, uh, and deal with solving, solving matrices. So when you took a linear algebra class, how many people here have taken a linear algebra class? How many people here have heard of uh, Gaussian elimination? And how could more people have heard of Gaussian elimination than took a linear algebra class? But anyway, so, uh, so, so, now you know, so now you know why you learned about, uh, uh, why you took those linear algebra classes. Um, and so if I just collected these into matrix uh, form,
Okay, so I just simply express those two equations in uh, linear algebraic form. And here's my column vector of unknowns. And you can apply any of the techniques you've learned in linear algebra to, uh, uh, to solve for this. Uh, Gaussian elimination works. Okay? And in computer, people doing research in computer techniques for solving such equations simply deal with huge equations like this, building computer programs that, given equations like this, can go ahead and, uh, can go ahead and solve them. Okay? So uh, let, me, let me stop here and reemphasize that what we've done is made a huge leap from Maxwell's equations to, to using the lump matter discipline to KVL and KCL, which ended up giving us simple algebraic equations to solve and not having to worry about partial differential equations that were uh, the form of Maxwell's equations. <laughs>